from Latino USA and Long Haul Productions. I'm Maria Hinojosa. American schools teach students that with hard work, they can realize their dreams. But every year in this country, an estimated 65,000 young people do everything right. They study, get good grades, they win awards, only to discover that the American dream isn't for them. And more often than not, there's currently no legal path for these students to become American citizens. This is the lot of Sam, an 18-year-old from Indiana. Sam was brought to the United States by his parents as a young child, but his family overstayed their visas. They've lived here now since the mid-1990s, and in that time, Sam has grown from a small boy to a young man. Taught in American schools and churches, he grew up like any other American kid. His family rarely, if ever, discussed his status with him. So it wasn't until he was asked to provide a social security number for a college application that the fact that he's undocumented really hit home. Producers Dan Collison and Elizabeth Meister met Sam in his last few weeks at an Indiana high school. They followed him as he struggled to follow his dream to graduate from college with a music degree and pursue a career as a musician and teacher. In association with Latino USA, here's Long Haul Productions' American Dreamer, Sam Story. Bertha is my saxophone. I've had Bertha three, three and a half years, and she's old and seen some action, but she's amazing, pretty much. Girlfriend takes first place, though. My name is Sam. I'm 18. I'm a senior here at Central, and I'm in the band and stuff, and jazz band. And I was drum major this year, and the uh, past four years have been great, and I'm finally, you know, ready to graduate and get out of here. Thanks for coming to the senior concert tonight. You're ready for a treat. Tonight is our senior concert, and uh, this is kind of like the last football games and where the seniors are, um, you know, awarded. Uh, Sam has been great for about three years, but he's really stepped it up to the next level. And uh, this year's Woody Herman Outstanding Jazz Award goes to Sam. My name's Tim Kernel. I'm the band director at Elkhart Central High School. Uh, this is Sam featured in a sentimental moment. Sam is one of the probably top five musicians I've had. You know, 150 year, I've taught for 18 years. At first, I feel nervous. But then I'm like, dude, just let go. He tries to, in his solo, build his solo. This is what is so advanced about him. He starts somewhere, goes somewhere, and finishes it. He tells a story. I'm actually from Mexico, and uh, I got here when I was five. My name is Sam, and I'm Sam's father. We come with visa. Of course, it's expired, but we still have it. I don't remember much, and I haven't really asked him. It just hasn't really been brought up. Samuel, he don't know anything about it. He just came with us. We never asked him to come. He never say no, he never say yes. I've been raised an American. You know, that's all I know. <laughs> Heck, 
I'm playing jazz. How more American can you get? Most of my friends. Oh, where are you guys going? Oh, I'm Butler bound, or I'm going to IU, Ball State, New Orleans, Hawaii. And going to Purdue is our saxophone slash tubist, Keith Uber. Where are you going, Sam? I haven't decided yet. Yeah, that's my crappy answer. It was the most, in my 18 years of teaching, confusing thing is Sam not being accepted to one of those colleges because of how well he plays. It didn't occur to me that Sam was undocumented at all, and frankly, I didn't care. My job is when the kid comes in, get him a horn, teach him how to play it. I first found out about his legal status when I actually confronted him about it. Michelle's my girlfriend, and she's American. She's from the South and she's a really, really good piano player. What drew me to Sam in the first place? Duh, he's really attractive. So that was like the first thing I saw him with Saxon, like, oh, wow. And I was like, wow, she's pretty cute. The guy thing, you know. I just picked up on a few things, you know, the way his family acted and how they were, his parents were really cautious about a few things and how Sam avoided certain conversations. And one time I asked him, dude, why don't you have your license yet? And he's kind of like, well, and he gave me this answer that I didn't quite get because I'm sitting there going, that makes no sense. But I didn't say anything. I was just like, you know, whatever, keep it cool. One day I just asked him, I'm like, so your family's pretty much illegal, aren't they? <laughs> and he's kind of like, ah. <laughs> and he didn't know what he could tell me because his parents have always told him, you know, don't tell anybody, which is understandable. My mom's always been like, don't give a lot of information, you know, to a lot of people because it could go wrong. If we did get have to go back to Mexico. To be honest with you, I would not know what to do because I don't know the language, I don't know how to write, barely speak it. He had no clue how the life over there is. They don't know that world. I mean, if we take it over there and leave it over there, they probably die. I mean, they don't know what to do. Today's Sunday. Like every Sunday, we start our Hispanic ministries at 5.30 with basically the whole family, you know, up on stage playing music. My mom, she sings. My brother, he plays drums. My sister plays bass. My dad plays guitar, and I play saxophone. My dad's the pastor here, and in his sermons, he preaches a lot about keeping the faith even in tough times because, you know, we're never alone, even though it kind of seems like it. He does, like, pastor part-time. He does remodeling full-time. We're in uh, Goshen, Indiana. My dad uh, recently just got a contract here, and... Uh, this is our first job, maybe a month. You want me to take the trim, like the bottom tiles, like the trim tile all around? All around. We're uh, basically tearing uh, a bathroom apart. Samuel is destroyer. He's the one turned on the whole thing. He's good making a mess. He's the natural talent. <laughs> things were going great, and but now like things have slowed down, and that's 
kind of important to us because that's where my dad's revenue comes from. It's not to the degree where we don't have anything to eat, but it's just like there's a lot of stress in the house. Take all the stuff out and uh, we need to bring the tub and begin to set it up. I wish I was doing homework or something that doesn't involve dust and stuff, but it's okay. Really, that is not something I want for him. For not even my kids. Work and the way I work. No, I don't want for them to get a laid tile or fix a carpet. I mean, they can be educated in this country. My dad has said various times, you are going to college. I don't care how, we're getting you in there because you have to get an education, which I completely understand and I get it. Because if I don't, I'm just gonna be a chump. Can't be a chump. Graduation, Sunday, May 31st. That was a really, really cool day. I put on my robe and looked in the mirror. I was like, whoa, we're here. Crap. I got there and I saw the rest of my peers, you know, just everybody was in blue. My counselor goes, hey, here. And she gives me my Indiana Honors Diploma medallion. And she's like, hey, congratulations, you earned it. And I gave her a hug and I took it out of the case and put it on my neck and I was like, ha ha ha. My name is Gail Draper and I am the head of guidance here at Elkhart Central High School. I did not know for certain until this year that Sam was an undocumented student. That's not something that comes up in conversation, usually until the college application process. The whole college process was really frustrating. When they say, are you a citizen of the U.S. or a citizen of Mexico, I'm like, I don't know. I almost feel like E.T., alien. Because they were undocumented, they were uncertain. Do we tell people we're undocumented? Don't we tell people? Does he even have a chance to go? I'd really hope to go to Indiana University down in Bloomington, the biggest campus of all of them. And um, what they're really known for is music. But what happened was I applied a little too late and then, you know, I had applied at another school, but they asked for my permanent residence card. I was just like, whoa, we have a problem. So right now, the only place that'll take me is IUSB or Indiana University of South Bend. And it's not that IUSB is a bad school, but he needs to go to a school where there's more competition. There's not that many instrumentalists at IUSB. The other thing is that when my dad and I talked to Mrs. Draper, we found out that we really don't qualify for financial aid or loans because of my status. So I have no idea how we're gonna pay for tuition. That's probably one of the hardest things I deal with in my job. We take students where they're at, we educate them, we inspire them to go to college, and then for our undocumented students, we say, we can't help you. You can't get a driver's license, so you can't get to school. You can't have money to go to school. You can't really get a job if you're following the letter of the law. It's like a ball dropping. May each of you have the very best of good fortune in your futures. We are now declared the class of 2009 graduated. Next thing I knew I looked up and there were like hundreds of hats in the air and I, I threw mine up and my first initial thought I was like I'm free. My second thought was crap I lost my hat. And so then I looked stupid looking for my hat but when I threw that hat up it was just like this feeling of this is it. You jump. Now 
I don't know if there are feathers or rocks on the bottom. I'm just hoping for the best, and you know, it'll be great someday. Maybe not right now, but just keep hoping and praying and stuff, and pray some more until the needs are all. I know that Sam is devastated by the thought of not being able to go to school. His dream is to go to college. His passion is to go for music and to be able to use that music to touch others. Will he have the chance? I don't know. That Monday after graduation, you know, I woke up and I looked in the mirror, turned to my right and saw my cap and gown laying, you know, next to my bed. And I was like, whoa, what do I do now? Ugh. And it almost made me sick to my stomach, you know, just where to go. And then mom was making food and she's like, hey, why don't you go to work with dad? I was like, oh. He don't like it, really. He don't like it. He said, Dad, I don't like it. Where to do tile, grouting. Yeah, we get into the car, we go to Menards or Lowe's or Home Depot, whatever. Get materials, go destroy, rebuild, clean up. But, like, I don't want to destroy my body for the rest of my life, you know? Lately, my dad and I have been kind of getting into, you know, altercations because he's kind of pushing me and he's saying, find a job one way or, you know, you're going with me to work. I tell Sam, you need to get responsible for all this stuff. If it's South Bend, I think it's like a $7,000, $8,000 a year, not living in the college. Right now, and be honest, the only thing that we have is $2,000 for him to start. I really tell him, you need to find a job too and help us out. Hey, Dad, I, I don't have a papers. There's 12,000 million people here that don't have papers. You're the only one of them. That's it. Go do it. Finding a job is hard enough here. I mean, one in five people don't have a job. So I know a lot of people do it, you know, under the under the table, you know. But I don't want to be one of those people, you know. I want to do things right. Sometimes he feel depressed. And I remember one day he said, Dad, all my effort, four years working with this thing, and now what I want to do now? Why I put all this input and I'm not going to be able to keep going? Sometimes when one of us is not feeling so well, come up here and we're like, okay. This is the trampoline. Come on, Sam. Up. Sure, why not? Sometimes I stay late at our house and we go outside and we don't really jump on the trampoline, but we just like lay down on the trampoline and look up, and depending on if there are stars or not, we just look up at the clouds or the moon. I don't know, it's like our little island. <laughs> it's pretty sweet out here, yeah. We sort of talk about his financial situation every now and then. School starts in 40-something days. So, I don't know how I'm gonna make it. This fall, I'm gonna be attending Bethel College over in South Bend. Yeah, I'll be living on campus in the Shoe Hall freshman year. I really want to live on campus too, especially since, you know, ISB is, what, 45 minutes away and legally I can't drive because I don't have a driver's license I shouldn't be driving. But for me to live on campus, it would be another $5,000 that I have to cough up and without financial aid, it's almost impossible. I mean, I can't really pay for tuition as it is. It's weird what dating someone from the Hispanic culture will do to you. You start to see things differently. I mean, I used to be down from the South, and it was one of those things where when people brought up the subject of legal immigrants, you know, at a young age, I was like, well, they're all the same. They're, you know, sneaking over the border. They're doing all this bad stuff. And then I started dating Sam, and it's just weird because 
people that I knew from Georgia would start, you know, posting these things on Facebook, how the government would be in so much better hands if they got rid of all the illegal immigrants and what they call, you know, anchor babies or whatever. It would get me all up in hackles. And I'm just like, I wanted to pounce them because I'm saying, you have no idea. Comments like those just make me really, really upset. And just, it's one of those, I dare you to walk a year in my shoes. Not specifically in mine, but, you know, in our shoes. By ours, I mean everyday people trying to look for jobs, you know, because just trying to get a better life for yourself is not a crime. So I'm not exactly sure what my future is, but I'm an improviser in jazz, and that's what I do. It all comes together later, and once you hit that high note, you know you've, you're done, and you've done a good job. It's midsummer, and dude, I need a job. <laughs> it's gonna have to be under the table if I'm gonna do something. It's gonna have to be no questions asked. It's 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 gonna have to be a little risky, but uh, I'm just afraid to take that step. There's a risk that, you know, Sam could get deported. His family could get deported, and I don't even want to think about it. But you do have to think about it at times, and it gets to the point where you have to make a decision. Is that a reality that you're willing to face for the good that you'll get, or are you just going to live in fear the whole time? I know I know the saying, there's no gain without risk, but ugh, there's so much to risk. I don't want my family hurt. I don't want myself hurt. I don't want Michelle hurt. It could go out in different ways, so it's like a bomb. It's going to affect every single little thing. Are you here for orientation? Are you Samuel? Yep. Okay, you're in Rockland School of the Arts, which is table number two. I don't have school paid off yet, but I'm going through orientation anyways. Grab a chocolate, grab a Band-Aid holder. A Tootsie Pop. I really shouldn't be eating this. Got some popcorn. Sweet. This is better than Halloween. Um, they brought you here because we have a clinic, um, the Health and Wellness Center. We know that about 60% of our students don't have health insurance, and we can see you here uh, for about $15. We don't have health insurance, so this would be awesome. What will it cost you? Next year, roughly for a full-time student, it'll cost about $4,500 for tuition and fees. We'll factor in about $1,200 for books. It's a little weird. It's like an expensive meal. You don't pay till later, but you don't know if you have enough money or not. So you might have to wash dishes later on. Today is July 13th, um, Monday morning. I'm here at IOSB with my parents, and uh, we're going to meet with Cynthia. She is uh, helping us out with the whole college thing. Everybody just wants to make themselves at home. My name is Cynthia Murphy Wardlow, and for the past five years, I have been the recruitment and retention counselor for Latinos and other underrepresented students here at IU South Bend. She was looking for scholarships for me, um, so that way she could uh, maybe soften off the cost a little bit, but uh, we'll see what happens. This is the part where the rubber meets the road, because when it comes down to it, one semester has to be paid completely antes que permiten que los estudiantes sigan el siguiente semestre. You know our situation and stuff, so, and like mom or whoever would be like driving me here every day. And like, 
what I was thinking is it would probably be better if I stayed here, but then again, like, uh-huh. I wasn't sure if um, you found anything like, to, like, soften well, up the cost or anything. There are ways to live here. It tacks on about another $5,500 to live in our housing. They unfortunately have to find ways to pay for college on their own. You really have to get out there and put yourself out there and network and talk to people and talk to the church. You know, the beautiful thing about the Latino community, if there is a goal, then there are lots of ways for the community to participate and help students within their community. So my mom was thinking, oh, I'm going to make a bunch of tamales and I'm going to sell them to the church. Sure. I mean, hey, that'll work. To be honest with you, I was thinking, mom, that's embarrassing. But then I was like, okay, embarrassment or being an idiot, you know, two months from now and saying, why didn't I do that? Now I can't go to school. So sometimes you have to put your ego down, check it at the door, and go in. Hasta la próxima cita. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. We know there was a problem there that we need to face and deal with, but if it was a little bit of hope, it's not anymore, you know, because we know now that we got to find out the way that this thing can be done. Of course. We're going to put some of that weight on some arms because, you know, I cannot work only for some school because I rest. I have a rest of the family that it's going to depend on me also. The first year is definitely going to be harder um, than the rest. Uh, there's got to be some movement on uh, my part. Me to just find something, do something, uh, tell myself. And uh, a lot of things are like for me to grow up finally. And this is this might be one of them. Last Friday, I was just feeling really, really crappy, and um, I, I freaked out, you know. I just started freaking about, like, jobs and money and what exactly I'm going to do in a couple of years or in a couple of days. Sometimes I feel like a failure because I can't do something on my own. So I started picking up the saxophone because I wasn't feeling well, and then just started playing. The thing that I struggle with is, why can't I be normal? It's just like, oh, because I can't work. I'm undocumented. I can't offer much. I have talent, but without a lot of money, I can't go very far. There was this one part where I was just playing as loud as I could, and I was just so angry, angry about being who I am, I guess, as an illegal resident, and just like screaming, I guess, through this saxophone because I couldn't in real life. It's kind of nice to have a way to relieve it, you know, with something that doesn't involve like destroying stuff, including myself. I'm feeling a lot better since I now have a place to stay in South Bend. I'll be staying with some uh, church friends that have a house there. My name is Roberto Gonzalez, and I'm pastor in the Hispanic church in South Bend. Every day I see in my church the situation of the Hispanic community is very hard, especially now in the economic situation in the country. I think it's no justice for this kind of people. The room is a good 
seven by seven. I'm uh, sleeping on a little. Um, it's like an inflatable mattress on top of a this like frame thing. It's not the most comfortable thing in the world, but hey, I'm not sleeping on the ground, so it's cool. The risky part now is he lives about five miles out, 15 minutes away from the school, so I'm gonna have to do the things under the table. I'm gonna get a car and just drive there. You know, I'm giving myself enough time, no rush, carefully. If I'm late, I'm late. I didn't even know that was an option. He's like, oh, you don't know the plan? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna take the little black car. I was like, you mean your mom's car? Yeah, the, the black one. My stomach dropped. I'm just like, oh, please tell me you're kidding me. You know, it's because, like, first thing runs through my head was, like, he gets pulled over once and he's done. Yeah. Um, are we ready for Sam? Yeah, I think sure. we are. Today I'm doing my audition uh, for the School of Music. Hi, Samuel. Hi, Hi Samuel. How are you doing? We just found out that IUSB has a tuition payment plan. So, as long as I don't mess up on my audition, uh, and can at least make the first payment, I'll be able to start, you know, the music school here in a few weeks. Why don't you give us a little bit of an idea of what your background is and your aspirations, and then we'll get started. I, I feel like music is my place, you know. My thing is, like, I, I just want to play, you know. I just see myself as a musician for the rest of my life. Maybe years down the road I'll be a teacher and, you know, pass on what I learned through my playing, so. Yeah, I would, yeah. Well, when you guys are ready, you guys good? My name is Dr. Jorge Muñiz. I'm the coordinator of music at the Ernestine M. Racklin School of the Arts at Indiana University South Bend. I think he's done a quite an impressive audition. We all thought that it was uh, musical and, and technically quite fantastic, yeah, so, so I think he did great. August 29th, 2009. Dear Samuel, congratulations. I am pleased to inform you that you have been accepted into the music program at the Ernestine M. Racklin School of the Arts at Indiana University of South Bend. This acceptance is based on a careful review of your performance, audition, transcripts, and application. Welcome to IU South Bend. Sincerely, Jorge Muñiz. So, here I am in South Bend. And it is certainly my pleasure to welcome our beginning freshman. Everyone seems really nice, and personally I like how everyone says welcome. Have fun, have a great day, and welcome to IUSB. Pretty much all of last year I was just thinking that I probably wasn't going to make it to college, and finally that I'm here. It's a little surreal, but I feel iffy. Like, it, 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 it's, it's almost there. Like, I could be okay, but there's still... A lot more money that needs to be in there. It worries me because he could get in school, get halfway down the road, and then all of a sudden they realize he can't afford it and be like, oh, hey, you know, we can't let you come here anymore. About half hour before class started, my parents left me and they're like, all right, we're leaving you $30. Here's your book. We'll take a picture and you'll be on your own. All right. It hit me a little bit of that I'm by myself, but I got this. C flat is B. Right. No C flat. A flat is B flat. C 
Oh. It's my second day of classes here at IUSB, otherwise known as Indiana University of South Bend. Do you need a moment to work out the riff? I, I got it. I okay, cool. It. Dude, I had like no clue what I was doing at first. One more time. One, two, three. This is gonna be sweet. And once I get the theory down, it's gonna be even cooler because I'll understand what's actually going on, you know, what what does what. This will give me the tools to go on further in my pursuit of, I guess you could say, happiness. We're at my first paying gig, I guess you could say. It's uh, at Flytraps, a restaurant here in my hometown, and um, we're playing at a fundraiser. Yes, we've had hard times, and we've got a long way to go, but our aim is to make sure that there is world-class arts expression here. This looks like, you know, really kind of high class. People walking around, talking, a little champagne, a little wine, checking out some art. I'm gonna get 50 bucks out of this, so. Not bad for just two hours, I mean, for doing something I like, hey, I, I like this. So here I am at this gig, but none of these people here know that I'm undocumented. I'm not legally supposed to be here. None of my band members know. None of my professors know. Not even my closest friends know, up until now. Uh, right now, we are at the Daily Grind. I'm about to tell Carly, um, a really, really good friend of mine from high school. I guess I could say who I am, really. Hey. 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 When you carry something like this on your shoulders, it, it bugs you every day. This isn't one thing that you bury for a long time. No, this is stuck with you until something changes. <sighs> okay. <clears throat> this isn't easy for me, but you know, whatever. Um, it's like a secret that you want to tell, but you're afraid to tell because you're not sure if the people will accept you or deny you. I hate even saying it. Like, I'm an undocumented kid, basically. I came here when I was young, like five, four-ish, and like we've tried to get right ever since, but it hasn't worked. Can't have a job, can't have a license, can't have a bank account. Can't really go to school with help. Had to pay it out of my own pocket. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I understand if you're weirded out and you want to get up and leave right now. Well, Sam, I uh, hate to break it to you, but uh, I don't think any less of you because of it. I'm so proud of you. I mean, how could you? I just, I can't imagine going in your shoes. Like, I, I don't think it's sunk in yet, to be completely honest. <laughs> I mean, because I was like, why isn't he going to this some great college or whatever? And his SAT scores couldn't have been that bad. And looking back, I guess I should have put it together, but I don't know. I guess I take everything for granted. My name's Derek McBride. He told me about two weeks ago about his status as far as citizenship. I think he took off his glass and he just kind of just like held his head and he's like, what? It didn't change a thing, like the way I felt about him as a person or who he was or whatever. It was just like thinking about the implications of what that means for him. And I could tell he was thinking, because he came up with a question, he's like, so... What do you do if you have to go to the doctor? What happens if you're driving and you get pulled over? Like, what would happen? And I just, I was like, scared. It almost felt like I could lose this guy at any time, you know? So I almost started to feel like really selfish, like, and I wanted to protect him and just keep him around as long as I could. 
So where are we headed? Okay, uh, on Mishwaka, you're gonna take a left. Okay. I just never realized how strong he is as a person to have to deal with these things. I just will give him rides endlessly for all time if it means that he's gonna remain here and, you know, thrive. Uh, okay, um, turn right here and see if there's like any spots right there. Right now we're going to a Mexican restaurant, see if there's anything I could do for them, you know. Wish me luck. Jobs are a necessity, you know, to keep yourself alive, basically. Now that I'm by myself, dad's giving me 30 bucks a week spending money. So I'm trying to cut corners here and there. I'm not eating as much. Okay, so you gave me an application, but questionable things are on here. <laughs> like social security number, if you're 18 years of age, can you provide a work permit? Of course not. Are you a citizen of the United States? Of course not. I wish I was. If not, are you legally allowed to work in the United States? Nope. So I don't know about this. Um, it almost seems like my options that are dwindling. He could probably get a car, you know, if he get a fake license, and he could get a job, and he could survive, but that's not who he is. I mean, he wants to do the right thing. I mean, I just feel like he's a citizen just like everybody else, and the only thing that's holding him back is, you know, some paperwork. And let's sing it. I really like my classes, you know. Some nice in here. But sometimes I worry that I won't have enough money to stay in school. And work on the next three chapters in your books. I saw how much stuff I needed to buy. My lessons teacher, she says, well, you need to buy this book and this book and this book, and you need to buy this tuner, this metronome. And I started thinking, wow, this is my saxophone. I need a saxophone. Just the whole money problem just freaks you know, me out. And then Friday happened, and I started thinking differently. What happened was, I was in performance lab, and this piano player comes out. The piece turns out to be like 23 minutes, all memorized, and the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. She hit this chord and physically my chest went warm. I was like, whoa. And it kind of gave me that funny feeling in my stomach and those butterflies and everything that everybody gets once they fall in love with something. I just smiled and closed my eyes and then was just really, really happy for a second. And it hasn't been something I felt for a long, long, long time. And if I could make someone feel what she made me feel, I think it's a reason to keep playing. I mean, it was just the jump start I needed. This is really, really awesome. In five days, I'll be headed to New York to play for this organization called College Board. It's an organization that pretty much deals with SATs and stuff like that, you know. And they've asked me to play the national anthem for them. It's a little weird to be asked to play the national anthem of a country that I'm not really of, I guess you could say. 
when the Star Spangled Banner is playing, I still put my hand over my heart because I take this country as my own. I just want to be recognized as an American because I, that's what I feel like I am. started now. Thank we at the Hilton Hotel here in New York City. My name is Mari Sullivan and I have been working on the College Board's advocacy efforts in support of undocumented students and the DREAM Act. I've also been asked to tell my story at a panel about the DREAM Act. That piece of legislation would basically allow students like me to gain citizenship. Today I was talking to one of my colleagues and I said, you know, Sam started off in Indiana on Monday driving here and uh, my friend said, but you're too cheap to fly him here. And I had to say, no, he isn't able to fly as a result of not having the ID. That's one of the realities. It's little things. It's also big things, like money, access, a sense that there really is a future in education. It was really scary. One of the first things that popped in my head is, wow, these are like serious people, like professors and really important people. I better not mess this up. Um, as many of you may know, my name is Sam. You know, growing up, we were warned about a lot of things. You know, don't talk to strangers, don't get in a, in a ice cream van with a weird guy. But also, we had the whole don't tell anyone, you know, what's going on. Speaking publicly about this, for me, it wasn't the easiest thing to do because I guess I was outing myself. It's always been keep that to yourself. Don't tell anybody because they could turn us in, they could take everything away from us. You know, I, I feel like we, we are a shadowed society, I guess. Always hiding, always fearful of being deported. And for me, coming here was a big risk to me because it could affect my family. I love this country very, very much. And I feel like if I were to gain legal status, I could chase my dream of being a musician. It was the first time in my life I've ever felt safe talking about this in public. I've never done it before, but it felt really nice. You know, everyone seemed really supportive and, and stuff, and I met some really cool people that are trying to do stuff for us. What's something that I could do? Like, continue to educate people about your story. That's Alfred Herrera. He's the assistant vice provost at UCLA, and he's worked on the behalf of a lot of undocumented students for the past 30 years, so he's a pretty important guy. You need to make sure that people understand that this is a human issue. It's about educating the best and the brightest students. And we need to separate it out from immigration because it's not about immigration. It's about educating people like you who came here when they were young and have done everything possible to contribute to our society and now they're being held back. So I'd like to thank everyone for supporting the DREAM Act and supporting undocumented students and just seriously thank you and all your support really means a lot and I hope this stream keeps going. So after that panel, I had to run up and play at the opening ceremony for the conference. I thought it was gonna be five minutes-ish, but it ended up being more like 15, almost 20 minutes actually. I didn't have any water or anything, and just the people walking in, the huge room, the lights, the cameras, you know, the flash, everything. 
I kind of got cotton mouthed, you know, that dry nastiness in, in my mouth. And then I thought I was going to have a little rest and a little time to get water or something. But no, I hit the last, bump, like the last C. And I started walking off stage and then... Please rise for the national anthem performed by Sam, an honor student and recipient of the Woody Herman Outstanding Jazz Award from Indiana. In my head I thought, holy crap, I forgot about that. <laughs> it's, this is so fast. While I was practicing, I remember thinking, I have to be careful with this because for some reason Bertha, my saxophone, uh, likes to mess with me and she doesn't like to give me the notes sometimes, so I had to force it. So when I punch it, uh, yeah. And the home of the, <laughs> Seriously, it sounded like you put a cat in a grinder. It was god awful. Damn, that sucked. <laughs> For a second, I thought, I'm in way over in my head. Man, they're not going to want me to play again. But thankfully, I played again the following night. And I think I did pretty well on that one. So I'm pretty happy with that performance. The next day, I was back at the College Board Conference for one last panel. I'm JP and I'm 23. JP from, was uh, the other undocumented student on now. the panel with me. Um, I found out I was undocumented when I was 14 years old. She got her bachelor's um, and her master's, but she can't use it because she's not documented. Right now I'm working as a nanny for a family on the Upper West Side. And as grateful as I am to have a job, period, in this economy, I can't help but wish every day that I could use my degree. One of the first things I thought when I heard JP's story was, wow, why should I keep going if that's just going to be me? It's sad. I sit next to Sam, and I'm six years older, and he's just starting what you know I went through. And I think that's what's so tragic. It's been six years and still nothing. I'm still in the same spot. I got terrified because I thought, man, I'm not going to be able to move forward. We've come to the end of our time, and I don't want to hold you up, but... Uh, right after my panel, I had to go perform. I was trying to get out, and then this woman came up to me and she said... Hi, how are you? Very good. It's very nice to meet you. I run a scholarship okay. program for first-generation students. Um, I got an email this morning that I have a little balance, okay. so I wonder if you're interested in a scholarship. And she just comes up and says, I would like to help by giving you $2,000, and... It was just completely left field, but in my favor. Yeah, we're pretty much out of money, so this is definitely going to be a great help. So, um, this is my card. Do okay. not lose it. I won't. I won't. I won't. The $2,000 scholarship basically means that I can finish the semester at least. Oh, it's such a relief. I'm really, really excited. I'm so happy right now. Woo! <laughs> That was a really, really neat experience because, you know, visually, I didn't expect the Statue of Liberty to be that huge. I'm Cynthia Marcucci, and I'm so pleased to be your guide today. 
during the audio tour, I realized how many people like really sacrificed a lot, you know, to come here. I'm holding one of the most precious things I'll ever have. It's a piece of thin cardboard, about four by five inches, with the words inspection card at the top. It says that Nicoletta Puzo had been passed by the Immigration Bureau and was permitted to enter the United States of America through the Port of New York. She was six years old. I think what we have in common is we just want the same thing, only in a different time period. We all just want the chance to live to our fullest potential. We're all looking for a better life for our families and our future generations. Nicoletta was my grandmother. And for millions of families like ours, the statue was and is a powerful symbol of freedom and opportunity. It's pretty humbling, actually. It just represents so much that I want to some, someday have. Hopefully my kids will be able to have, you know, that freedom. But we'll wait. American Dreamer, Sam's Story, was produced by Dan Collison and Elizabeth Meister for Long Haul Productions in association with Latino USA, with funding from the National Endowment for the Arts and the Paul Robeson Fund for Independent Media. Katie Davis was the project consultant. I'm Maria Hinojosa. 